Yeah. Are there any rules to, or do I just follow along? There are no rules. Lovely. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. This is episode six, post Phoenix. I have with me as usual my co-host Mike Davis. With makeup on. Yeah, actually um, we are in uh, NBC uh, studio. This is NBC Sports. Yeah, up here in Connecticut. So Mike is actually wearing makeup today, I think for the first time ever. And we also have... Can you think of another time? <laughs> when was another opportunity for me to put on makeup? I don't know. We could talk about it's that. It's not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Actually, I'm somewhat enjoyable. All right. We also have another guest with us that uh, I'm excited about. He's got makeup on, too. You know what? It's, it's actually even more normal. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Latart is here. Man, I've been waiting for this day. Not the makeup, but the invite. The makeup's <laughs> kind of just normal now. Hey, listen. You've been on the Dale Jr. download before, my friend. I have, but never in studio with makeup. This is a big day. This is a big day, and it's awesome to be here at NBC Sports. This is Dale Jr.'s first time. When this podcast comes out, he will have already been on NASCAR America, but as we tape this, we're about, I don't know, a couple hours before he and you go on NASCAR America. I'm looking forward to it. So this is sort of a warm-up, maybe? I, I like this. Yeah. This is a little, you know, a little rehe- I don't know if a rehearsal, a little looser. We got a little alcoholic drink or something? Well, you said rehearsal, and the, the producer over there I know. started to yeah, I backed it up there. <laughs> I, I backed out of that one and just went to the alcohol. Well, this is going to be a fun show. All right. We got a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. Big wreck in your mirror. The Dale Jr. Download. You're going to do it. You're going to wreck the plan. We want it. The Download starts now. So, Dale Jr., you know what? Uh, we did watch the race from Phoenix, but I really want to encourage people to uh, tune in to NASCAR America and NBC Sports uh, Network all week long to hear what you guys have to say about that. We'll get into it in a little bit, but right now I am just in awe over Steve Latart being here. Really? And you know why? Because he's here playing hurt. He's hurt. <clears throat> Do you want to tell us what happened? I don't know if I, I can relive. It's still a little raw. The, the whole injury is still a little sensitive, but I, I, it's so okay. basically I was being a good father, took my daughter to her favorite restaurant down in Charlotte, and it's a very healthy vegan type thing. And I got a salad and it had nuts and fruits and berries and seeds. And I was eating that salad. One of those seeds hit my tooth in just the right spot and split a tooth wide open, top to bottom through the root, called my dentist. He told me to come right in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, hold up. You called your dentist like you made an appointment. Like well, you I called, texted him. You, no, you didn't. Yeah, you, you text your dentist? Yeah, why wouldn't I? I broke a tooth. <laughs> this this is the thing that between Dale Jr. and I that I think is actually, you are as entitled as he is, by whoa, the way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. I'm, t- I'm telling you right Wait, now. There's three people on this podcast and two of us have their dentist number and we're the odd ones. Yeah. Take a poll, my friend. Nobody gets to text their dentist. You got to make an appointment. You're saying you text your dentist. I text him at 12.30, and I went to see him at 1.45. He said, yeah, come on in. Broken tooth. Got to get you right in. Man, you're doing better than I am. See? Right in. I always thought, and I still think, even though Mike disagrees, Can't go off everybody, me. you know, most people would want and probably do have their dentist's phone number. I mean, dentist is an intimate person in yeah. your life. He takes care of everything going on. I would put him in the top two most important people yeah. in my life. And when you have a broken tooth, he moves to number one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right up the chart. So I went in there. He saw it. And here's where the crushing blow was. He numbed me all up. Said, oh, listen, it's just going to be a little crack. We put a crown on it. And then this is never anything you want to hear. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean, Doc? He's like, mm, it's split all the way through. It's going to have to come out. Are you on TV this week? 
Well, yeah, I am. He's like, all right, we're just going to have to temporary crown it. It's going to really hurt. So basically, middle of this coming week, the tooth is coming out. Yeah. Can we be there for it? We should that we should video being that. as all tight and all as you are with your dentist. I assume that wouldn't be much of a well, problem. That's a real intimate. Should I text him and ask? That's a real intimate moment between him and his dentist. I don't know. If I swear, I feel comfortable if, being there. If, I can't believe that's if you such texted a your dentist right now, how long would it be before he replies? Immediately, because he's probably concerned about your tooth at this very moment. Well, it went one farther. If you really must know, is I ran into him at a social gathering three days later at the golf course. And I walked Don't in. Don't even tell me this. I walked in no. and he said, hey, man, how's the tooth? I said, pretty good. He says, is the crown holding up? I said, I think so. Well, hold on. And he sat me back no. in the chair, pulled out his phone light. No. Looked at it. Said, no. Looks good. It'll definitely make it the next week. There are unicorns in your life. I'm telling you. Both listen. of you. I can't even look at you. This is not This is not normal people. So, and by the way, I know that you're, reti- you're retired. You're going to come back down to our level. I don't think your dentist is going to care as much about your that's teeth. That's not true. I've had interactions with my dentist since I retired, and he's still the same awesome dentist. Mike, and I think you should question, in you fact, should question your dentist. In fact, I've actually – he's in between hey. dentists, if you want to know the truth. And I have, I have uh, talked to my dentist, and I said, can you give Mike the same service – that you give me and all your other patients, and he 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 said, yeah, he would definitely love to take Mike on as a customer, <laughs> but Mike won't go see him. See, I, so wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Mrs. Latart has her dentist number as well. I'm confident because she had a broken tooth. Text got right in with him too. So, but I've given him an open door to join the club. He's setting me up for a teeth joke. Just so you know, I'm not walking down this path. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he calls me, don't you? No, Smarty Jones. He has a great set that? of teeth. <laughs> Now that you mention that, it is quite a smile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, does I it, know. See, it, it, does it accent my makeup? It does, but I thought they would have put a little product in your hair. <laughs> if she I, said if, I had great hair. <laughs> she great? said I had great. <laughs> she said that too. <laughs> if I could get him to go to my dentist, my dentist next time I see him would go. Oh yeah, that's a great set of choppers. Oh yeah, <laughs> I really appreciate I'm that. Tell you. That's like working on a, that's like working on a Ferrari. I'm uh, glad you brought Mike's that the in. kind of guy you want to refer refer to your dentist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Guess what? You some I don't have a toothache. You know why? I floss, I brush, I don't have a problem. Hey, What's your problem? Go ahead, knock on wood. What's g- <laughs> when they split, you'll know it. Uh, well, look, I'm so glad you got some playing hurt. You're playing hurt. Is this going to affect your performance on NASCAR America? I got to know. No, 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 no. But that's why we didn't pull the tooth out. So I had oh. all of them. Yeah. Do you know how many people would watch? If they knew that you were at, you were missing a tooth and that when you talked, <laughs> like if it even it gave, might a give little a little whistle, like, <laughs> <a> little, <laughs> like like Steve, how you feeling? Well, I'm pretty good. So I'm just kind of that would be bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every time he said Amarola, you know, all of a sudden you hear this hey, little whistle. Can I give you a little side note though? Yeah, busted tooth, lot of soup, down six pounds. Pretty good oh. deal. Pretty good deal. The busted tooth diet is working for me. <laughs> yeah. What about that cafeteria visit we took today at NBC? Sports? Soft pasta. I only ate half of it. I was good. Yeah. I started to feel bad when our boss rolled in with nothing but salads. Yeah. And I was sitting there with that big bowl of pasta, so I kind of throttled back. Yeah. Sam, Fl- Sam Flood came and sat next to us, and then we were all like, oh. I-, I honestly did an inventory of what we got at that point. <laughs> I didn't care up until then, but I'm like, oh, I mean, now we're now we're sort of like, like mm. almost like a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, we're here at NBC Sports. Uh, it's been a good day. I've had fun. This is our first time here. Dale, what's been your impression so far? Uh, the place is brand new. It looks, you know, it's it looks everything looks brand new, so clean. They seem to be well organized, and there's tons of lights. There are a lot of lights. Yeah. Now, I, we gotta give a visual of where we are right now. We are on an actual television set, 
and it's by the way, I haven't. Well, I can't help but notice they've all left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't you see? They left the cameras rolling, and now they're gone. So yeah, we literally gone. are the only three people in this studio right now. But this is it the, is an immaculate studio. Yeah. This is the set for NASCAR America. No, it's not. No, we're one over. Oh, really? Yeah, no, we're not but in there, NASCAR America. It, will it be similar to, similar to yeah. this? Similar to this. Yeah. For just, let me just say, been coming up here for years. Big desk, all formal. A man comes and joins us. Big leather chairs in the studio today. This is a big yeah. change. I like this. Let's talk about this. We're going to chip away at that. I mean, we're still going to be wearing suits. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of progress to be made. There's a lot of opportunity. We, we get down to you know sweatpants, sweat uh, mm. shirt and jeans. Now, he went is, right to sweatpants. That was aggressive. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bold move there, Dale. Yeah. Maybe next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> He 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 let us uh, peek behind of what his vision, <laughs> his, his strategy with yeah. Sam. Yeah. It's a one year strategy. Yeah. I'm going to go from suit to sweatpants. <laughs> That's the name of our next podcast, by the way. Suit to sweatpants. <laughs> That'll be the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Suit to sweatpants. I like that with Nate Ryan. I like it. Honestly, Stevie has been joking all day about how he didn't get this treatment. We had an itinerary. We had a tour of the facility that Stevie says. You've never been on a tour. Oh, I have now because I went with that one well, today. today yeah. Right. Um, you had never been into the executive offices. No, I don't go on carpet. And why is that? So in the race shop, the work area was concrete. Here at the studios, concrete. You get over to the carpet, executives. They don't invite you over to the carpet for like rah, rah, good speech, pat on the back. You go to the carpet, you're getting fired. So I don't go to the carpet. You have a history on the carpet, it seems like. Well, I mean, I've yet to get... I've I've kept my job. I've yet to be fired, but I've never that... been fired from any. Have you ever been fired from a job? It's only my second job. Hendrick in here. I mean, work with me. This is the only places <laughs> you've ever worked. Yeah, I mean, high school. Hendricks. I was at Hendrick Motorsports. Dude, you, that's that's incredible. I feel like you just met me. We've known each other for years. No, but these are the only two places you work. I mean, Dale's been fired from a job. Dale's been fired from a company that had his own name on it. That's not surprising. <laughs> If you know me, that's not very surprising. <laughs> yeah. Did did they have? Did you have to walk the carpet, the the the, the carpet aisle at uh, Dale Earnhardt Chevrolet when you got fired? <laughs> I didn't. They fired me right on the concrete. <laughs> yeah. They just cut uh, me right there on the concrete floor. Didn't even let him go to the carpet. <laughs> he always wanted to go to the carpet. Didn't, didn't even get a chance. To. I didn't get a warning. Nothing. Oh, you kind of uh, knew it was coming. I didn't you get shocked. Were you changing terrain to get a warning of what was happening? <laughs> What about Phoenix, guys? You guys watched the race yesterday. Yeah. I don't know that we need to get too deep in it, but that was, uh, you know, another one. Harvick winning. Harvick showed a little attitude at the end. Yeah. There's a couple um, things. I think that um, Harvick, we knew he'd be fast there. He was. He's uh, great at Atlanta, and he's great at Phoenix. I don't think – I think everybody had him picked to be, uh, you know, a contender, if not the winner. So I don't think anybody's too surprised by the win. I think what was – uh, surprising was his approach to handling the media all week. He he gave himself a lot of opportunity to talk to the media. Uh, he didn't duck or uh, he wasn't he wasn't sort of ushered away by PR reps or anything like that. He faced the music, and uh, I guess you know having the confidence that he had and how he runs at Phoenix gave him the ability to do that. The other thing too, can he go win four in a row? That'll be interesting. I think they'll be very strong at Fontana. But I think that there'll be some other cars too that that'll make the make the challenge of winning four in a row a little bit more difficult than what he's faced at Atlanta and Phoenix. He's just so good at those two tracks. He's on the top of everybody's list when he goes to Atlanta and Phoenix. The other thing that I think outside of Harvick is we didn't hear we didn't hear anything about pit guns. Nope, nothing about pit guns. So is the pit gun issue? It's I mean you know you're going to have failures with anything mechanical. But I think the pit gun issue looked a lot better this week. 
and uh, we're, we're definitely uh, we're not gonna, we're not hearing anything. There's been no conversation on social media about uh, from Reddit or anybody about cars or anything that they've seen on. If Reddit didn't notice track. it, then it didn't get noticed. All right, I mean, now yeah, we know that. Didn't Reddit is the police for NASCAR now. They're the governing body. So if Reddit's cool, we're cool. Yeah. So there's been a, it's been real quiet on social media, and uh, we're moving on to Fontana. I mean, it's uh, it was a stormy, you know, that was a stormy week last week. I think this week's going to be nice and quiet. And Fontana is an amazing racetrack, but it's on a great race, a lot of grooves. I'm really excited about uh, the series moving to that track and what kind of race we'll see. Well, so you go back to Harvick and the media. What I liked about that is, is the crew chief. I think his straightforward approach kind of just buckled down the team even more, right? Instead of putting his team on an island and saying, well, you know, you have to talk to Rod and he's in charge of the cars or avoiding the question, he just took chin-high fastballs all day. Wasn't scared of them, answered them. I think that's just one more example how, um, like, Kevin can be a relatively polarizing figure, and you're either kind of in his circle or not. And I think all this did was make sure that Rodney and his team was tight in his yeah. circle. And I think that kind of put them back to back and they came out swinging at Phoenix. As far as the race, man, it was great racing. The track is starting to age where we see at least two, sometimes three lines. That's really helping. The same crazy strategies of staying out in two tires were still kind of prominent, but they didn't decide the factor. The best cars still kind of matriculated their way up through the, the field, so that was impressive. And the pit gun thing kind of reminds me of the crash clause. Don't we remember the crash clause last year? Yeah. We left the Daytona 500, and it was the worst thing to ever happen to NASCAR, and no cars were ever going to be on the racetrack. And by the time we had the summer, the crash clause just kind of was what it was. Now it reared its head in the playoffs when Matt Kenseth got parked because yep. he had an extra man. They have since tweaked on that. So I agree with you. Pit guns have quieted down. Surely not off the radar. There will be something over oh, yeah. the next four months where we'll just all just bang our head against the wall in frustration that it has affected the outcome. But with change comes a little bit of penalty. And I think that, you know, I was actually, so when we talk about pickups, what I was impressed the most is when Steve O'Donnell didn't back down. He was on the radio a couple weeks ago and he said, look, we knew there were going to be problems. We're going to try to fix them and we're going to move forward. I like the fact he didn't hide behind anything. He just kind of raised his hand and said, hey, yeah, you're, you're right. They broke. We have yeah. to work on that. Because in the end, we're there to see races, not not pick on races. So, yeah. Uh, Pit Road played a big role in the outcome of the Man. race, didn't it? Absolutely. Not, not the pit guns, but Pit Road. Pit it, well, it, it, everything. The 18 had the race won. Know, Adam right? Stevens and Kyle Busch, in my mind, were in the driver's seat. And Kevin Harvick came. Well, Alan Gustafson really cracked the seal on Pit Road to start. First car on Pit Road. Great move by Alan. Then right after that was Kevin Harvick. And I was just like, well, well Adam, he'll be next car on Pit Road. And right. they waited four laps. That's like yeah. four seconds. What was the whole, I mean, can you think of any reason why he stayed out? No. I understand Brad Kozlowski, Ryan Newman. Staying out to the bitter end, right? They, right. They, that was their only chance to win that race. You know, you think that for like a lap or two that that was their that was their move, or that was the choice that he had made is to actually run longer. And then he saw like, man, this is a terrible decision. Well, and, and sort of changed his he, mind four laps later. Well, and I'd love to listen to the radio because the lap he pitted, Kyle runs down into three, and it's chaos. There's right. Jimmy's blending, and this guy's here, and I don't know if Kyle might have made a right, decision to right, pit. Right, like did Kyle just say, "I'm going to lose two seconds right here. I'm just going to hit pit road," which I don't think is, you know, Kyle is a veteran driver, you know, if that's what he feels. Yeah. But man, they kind of were like on no strategy, right? It's either early or late. Oh, I took it as they had their strategy and they were in the bed they made and they stuck with it at all costs and maybe too much, right? No, they got a speeding tail for like 13 over. Oh, that's true. Like yeah, either run yeah, 9 yeah, over and don't okay. get pulled over but, or run 25 over and get where you're going quicker. Right. Don't run like 13. 13, right. you're still going to get in trouble. Right. right. That's kind of what they did. That's interesting. 
I, I got to ask you a question though. You said something about, if I may go back to Harvick real quick, you mentioned Childress and you mentioned Harvick. And then do you think what he was saying was strictly just a message for his team? Is that what, is that what I'm I hearing think, him say? I think, I don't know what his thought process was, but I will tell you that I watched the whole weekend. I watched the whole race. And when he got out in victory lane and he, and they kind of softballed a question was going to let him avoid the issue. He didn't avoid it. He actually corrected Matt Yoakum and said, no, no, I've been mad all week. My guys have brought great race cars, blah, 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 blah. And basically didn't say he agreed or disagreed with the penalty. He didn't get into those muddy waters. He basically just made the statement that what I heard as a crew chief was, I was very frustrated that my team was reprimanded. This is a great group. They're a great team. And I believe in them. And I dug my heels in as only probably Kevin Harvick can and yeah. came out here to prove a point. And what I think that did is that resonated through the team. Yeah. Right? It, like that just be like, he's our guy. Not only did he win, but he patted us on the back on the way in. I, I know that the, um, you know, my, I've had some issues with Kevin in the past, and and we all know, you know the. Just so you know, man, that's not like that. That book has a chapter. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have issues with like one or two people. I like well, Kevin, but he also has a list, you know. Yeah, I mean, we there was it was some pretty nasty things going on last year, but I don't know that he could have handled that whole week better and everything that happened at the racetrack. And I don't know that a lot of drivers would have handled it well at all, um, especially as often as he put himself in front of the camera and in the media center, uh, to, you know, to make a misstep. Uh, verbally at any point during their weekend, you know, when you're in those type of situations, you almost try to avoid doing media so that you don't make a mistake or or misspeak. He actually put himself in opportunities to to explain his side of the story and uh, definitely didn't shy away from it. But it was almost refreshing in the day where everybody says we want everyone to be themselves yeah. and then they are and then, oh, maybe we don't really like the guy we got because they'll say something silly. Yeah. It was refreshing for a driver to come out and be like, what did he say the first time? Like, can we just quit beating around the bushes? Let's go ahead and yeah. ask the question. Oh, they asked him a softball question and his right. media availability and he's like, look, this is not what people want to yeah. hear from me. So let's just get Which, cut to the chase. And you know what? It's always a great story when you back it up in victory lane, right? If he runs yeah. fifth or eighth or ninth, eh, you know, he handled it well and we're off to Fontana, but they didn't. They won three out of four. Did y'all like what he did after when he climbed out of the car? He said that um, he said during uh, during the week that if he he couldn't wait to win the race, that you get out and jump up and down on the back of the car. And I mean, that, <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't surprised. I, I think that he had intentions of doing that when he showed up to the track on Thursday or Friday. But I do think there were some people in Phoenix that were thankful that the whole story was about Kevin Harvick because there have been cars in my mind that I thought were going to run better in Phoenix that didn't. There's some guys that just haven't had a good start to the season. You know. This Kevin Harvick penalty story, winning three races, that's kind of the media buzz. There's some other stars that are like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, keep taking all the notice. You know, we don't want any notice. I mean, let's say who. Who are you talking well, about? Well, I have a list. So so I think that uh, Joey Logano is on my list as a guy that I thought was going to be very good at the Daytona 500, made a major mistake in the closing laps, and hasn't rebounded with any sort of success. I think Jimmy Johnson has been off the radar, just has not been fast. And I think as Chase Elliott improves – I'm looking, searching for the 48 to improve at the rate that the 24 has, or excuse me, the nine. Chase Elliott was very good out at Phoenix. So, look, Dale and I have had this conversation, right? So when I look at a car, I say, okay, where does he stack up in the field? Then where does he stack up in the organization? Because those are the, really the two scales. So if, let's take SHR. Kevin Harvick won three out of four. So if you're an SHR driver, you want to run well, well, they put all four in the top ten for the first every time in the company. Yeah, Seems pretty good, right? Yeah. So then you flipped it over to... Hedger Motorsports is a little more complicated because William Byron, how do you measure a guy that has never really done it before? Alex Bowman, why he has a ton of starts, not a lot of starts and new equipment like he's in, you know, 
So it's it's hard to judge, but without a doubt, I think self-admittedly, Jimmy would tell you that they are nowhere near where he expects to be. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying that, and I don't think that there's anything that they could say at this point. It's obvious that they, they should be super concerned, especially after this past weekend. Um, I know after a couple of weeks, they were trying to act as if it wasn't a big deal or really not time to get to panic, so to speak, but they're panicking. I think they have to be really concerned. The nine car does give them a little bit of a, you know, hope to be positive that they can get it turned around because there's the information. This is a car that's running good within the organization. But still, that's not as easy as it looks to find, you know, to take take a team within the same walls and make it run just as competitive. It doesn't, you know, it's just not as easy as it looks. And I know. I've been looking at Jimmy Johnson's setup for a decade. Right. <laughs> like, let's just be yeah. frank, right? If it was that easy, I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Right. So... You know they they have to be super concerned and and I think that's something a lot of people are going to watch as we get on into the meat of the season is are they going to be able to improve and um, you know is Stuart Haas really going to be the team to compete all year long to to beat you know a lot of years you'll see a team maybe it's Hendrick or Gibbs or Penske come out of the gate real strong but then mid season someone else kind of puts it together and becomes the contender in the chase and so really it's it's it never really is the same team all year long. Who is the team that's going to come up through, right? You know the ranks in midseason and turn it, turn you know, turn it on at the right time toward the end of the year to compete with Stuart Haas. I don't. The only counter to that though is Martin Truex Jr. won every you're right stage at yeah. Vegas last year, and I had this. I listen. Yeah. I went on NASCAR and said the same thing. Like, oh man, it's February, right. it's March. Give it some time, and then it was April, then it was July, then yeah. it was September. He was still winning, and then he was the champion. But yeah. I do agree. That is the minority. The majority yeah. is that, look, with technology, people look at pictures. People look at pictures of your car. Yeah. They see how you, what concepts you're trying to run on the racetrack. Um, I really believe that Chevy has a new car, so they at least have potential, right? they got to be able to say, we can improve. I think Toyota had an advantage somewhere in the splitter area. That is a common part this year. Uh, a totally legal advantage, but they, they okay, applaud them, right? They found something there that made their cars work. And now that has gone away. That's kind of like that unspoken rule. It's new this year, but nobody really talks about it. That has to have hurt the Toyotas. I don't know what else would have slowed them down a little bit. And obviously, the Fords either have found something. Maybe just Kevin Harvick's group has found something. Maybe it's a package. Whatever it is, though, they're they're good. But like yeah, you but said, they, at good tracks. That's exactly right. Everybody picked Kevin Harvick to win it. Yeah, but not at Las Vegas, where he dominated. That was the exception. That was the exception, and he did well there. But I'm saying, like, I, do I? Do you expect him to win Fontana? No. I don't either. I don't. I think that he will be in position to win, but I don't. That's I fair. Don't, yeah. I think he'll be in position to win, but he, I don't know if he'll dominate like he did at Vegas and, and certainly Atlanta and Phoenix are his tracks. Uh, this was kind of a perfect storm for him to get three in a row or great. This is a great scenario for him to get three in a row. But you have to ask yourself about Truex, though, right? Did he stay good because of the format? So now think about this. You win early. And you're like, ah, we could try this and try yeah. that and try it. We did it in 14. We about won Vegas, about won Phoenix because we had nothing to lose. Now you take Kevin Harvick, Rodney, and say, hey, you know what? You have all summer to they kind of They can be just, more aggressive. Oh, yeah. yeah. you know, That's point. scary. Yeah. They're good. Those yeah. those guys are good. He is he is back to his championship form when he won the championship a couple years ago, if not better. Um, nobody can touch him right now. I think that they're fast at Fontana and they run up front, but I believe that uh, Larson, mm -hmm. um, Truex, the 18, I think those guys will give him a little bit tougher run for his money than what we've seen over the last three Fontana weeks. Fontana is so much fun. It's such a – so many variables at Fontana with the multiple grooves – 
you know, guys running the apron and there's, you know, the fall off and pit strategy and so forth. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be a great race. It's one of my favorite tracks. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that. The last thing on Phoenix, and uh, I was hearing some guys talk earlier in the week about Phoenix being a short track. Some people compare, some people think that if it's not a mile and a half, if it's under a mile, it's a short track. Um, that's kind of, kind of one of my pet peeves. Uh, I think. So you think it is or isn't? It isn't. So I completely disagree with him. I, I had Phoenix too. as a short track think, in my book. Do you think th- it's a short track? I do. So as a crew chief, if I had brake ducts, it was a short track. Oh, okay. That was basically because that would be the type of car I would use. That's the aerodynamic package I would bring. So Phoenix, New Hampshire, Richmond. Yeah, see, I can't see New, New Hampshire as a short track. I can oh, only, I do. It's half miles, and, and I know that Richmond's a little bit bigger, but it's kind of grandfathered in because it, yeah. they changed the configuration at one point. But for me, short tracks are, there's three. Richmond, Bristol, Martinsville. Three short tracks. And Good anything, thing we don't go to Iowa because that would just be a whole blend situation. Get to seven eights, you wouldn't know, know what to do. That's it's a bigger, mix. That's not a short, I mean, Iowa to me is not really a short track it's just a, the, the front straightaway is a little bit too big too long i mean i can see your argument but i have it as a short track yeah interesting i'm curious as to what other what you know if this is a generational thing is this i'll tell you what it is for me i mean this is complete like what do i know but there's so many mile and a halfs that the miles are actually in the minority there's fewer of them than than all of the mile and a half so they it's not i don't consider it a short track but it, or it's not the shortest track I think those miles, there's so few of them that it feels to me like a short track because of all the other big yeah. ones. But it's not a track length thing to me because um, Dover is an intermediate track. What? Now, wait a second. If you think New Hampshire is a short don't, track. You don't run brake ducks at Dover. Oh, you don't use the brakes. All the you set it up like Charlotte. Yeah, see, that's... I look at tracks, listen... We, we already know that I'm kind of messed up. We don't have to spend the whole pod talking about it. But, like, you know, I look at vertical load and all this crazy stuff that people don't look at. Yeah, so. brake ducts. Well, if you run brake ducts. ducts and vertical load. There's yeah. no vertical load at Phoenix. Three and four is flat. It's a short track. Interesting. I've always kind of wanted to have that conversation because it uh, as we get, you know, I don't know, as I get older, I hear more people refer to New Hampshire or Phoenix as a short track. And I'm like, wait, what? When did it? <laughs> it was not. A short track when we started going there, you know, right? Short tracks are half miles and anything close to a half mile, and and uh, so that's I got one more. That's thing. one way to close the book on Phoenix. No, no, no. I got one more thing about <laughs> Phoenix. I want to ask, and I want to ask both of you. And we can't spend a whole lot of time on it. But Dale Jr., you had some really interesting tweets <laughs> during the race. Oh, what are you showing? I gotta know. I gotta know the inside joke. So. Here, people in the, you know, we're, we're in NBC. So when you're in a studio in NBC, yep. everybody can hear. So I just got a text from my boss that said, after this performance, we need you to come there onto the carpet uh, up to my office. Obviously, here he comes. Ah, hey, funny. look, look. But he's down to the concrete. I'm feeling better. I didn't have to go to the carpet. <laughs> Sam Flood just walked and in. And he's got a smile on his face. And Sam Flood smiling. just walked in. Either he's, he's either he's smiling at how much of a dumpster fire this is, or he's <laughs> or or he's coming to deliver news that you guys get to wear sweatpants. Because if he heard the, uh, the carpet comment, he heard that... <laughs> Dale Jr. is going to try to instigate suits uh, to sweats. Suits to That's sweats. That's a heavy transition. Yeah. I was just going for like a sweatpants or a sweatshirt and like some jeans. Right, right. Dale Jr. is going straight for the uh, the, the jogging. When shirt. My, well, the first time I'll tell you a story. The first time that I was going to go into the booth was it Talladega or Martinsville? Which one was the first one? I think Talladega was first. Yeah, I was convinced that I was going to go up there in my hoodie. Oh, oh, you were yes. just going to roll right over I, In my mind, like that was completely <laughs> acceptable. And Amy's like, "You're not wearing that." No way. Why would you think that's acceptable? Like, what? Because that's me. No, no, no. no, But who have you? You've never seen 
a broadcast booth with anybody in a sweat in a hoodie and a sweatshirt. I don't know why I thought that would be okay, but I did. And she said, <laughs> "You're not going to wear." Thank God, it. Amy exists. Well, I would have some, you know, Sam or you or someone would have not let that happen. But had oh, oh, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. had it been up to me, I'd have been standing there in my my hoodie. And if it would have happened, don't you think the open would have been like, "Glad to see you dressed up for the event," <laughs> you know? This is the Exalta Race Center update. I'm Natalie Sather. Both Cup and Xfinity competed in Phoenix over the weekend. Kevin Harvick won his third race of the season at Sunday's Ticket Guardian 500, making that three out of four race wins this season. He's your Cup points leader by 12 points over Kyle Busch. On Saturday, Brad Keselowski won the DC Solar 200 Xfinity Series race. Junior Motorsports drivers Justin Allgaier finished second, Elliot Sadler ninth, Tyler Reddick 10th, and Michael Annette 17th. The Junior Motorsports Late Models competed at the season opener at Tri-County Speedway for Do the Do 150. Rookie JRM driver Sam Mayer crossed the finish line in third, and Josh Berry ended up fifth. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, visit ExaltaCS.com. Uh, look, this is what I was going to ask you guys real quick. You had some interesting tweets about Bowman and the whole 88 situation sure. and the cool suit. Do you want to explain that? And Stevie, being that uh, you were a crew chief on the 88, what's your take on it as well? Yeah. So, um, you know, DW and those guys were talking a little bit about uh, the cool suit. When it, when it fails, it gets really, it could be very uncomfortable, and the old ones would. But this new one is really thin. It's basically the same material as the undershirt that we already wear. If, mm-hmm. if guys wear an underlayer, it's the same material. So if it fails, it doesn't get really uncomfortable. It's not a big deal at all, actually. And uh, the fluid that runs through it is a gel. It's not a water. And you just have to kind of wear one to know. I I would actually uh, there's no there's no uh, gel running through the sleeve or lo- or or the lower part of the shirt. So I cut that all off because I wouldn't wear anything under my suit. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't run an extra layer of underwear. You know what I'm saying? So I'd have my my underwear on and then that cool shirt right. with the sleeves cut off. And then, because I just didn't like all that material bunching up under my uniform, but it's very comfortable. It's really light. Alex and uh, I talked to Alex and Greg after the race. The issue they had was a was a part failure in the electrical system that shut down everything, brakes, all the comfort in, in inside the car. And people say, you know, why does he need any comfort? Well, if you've ever raced with a full face helmet on with no air, no no fan running in it, you would know why that you have that stuff. It's completely uh. Well, that's not a fair statement. That's like playing football a man down. My, like my point is like, well, he doesn't need comfort. Well, everyone he's racing has it. Yeah, right. Maybe yeah. like a marathon runner, you get to like mile twenty five. Oh, no water for yeah. you. You're leading. Yeah, Take right. your water away. You got to just run the rest. <laughs> we used to run open face helmets, which were pretty comfortable, and I didn't want to switch to a full face because it didn't push as much air as I, I would have liked. You know, and and open face was just better for there's air moving all the time, and uh, so it took me a while to switch over. When that fan breaks, it's it's awful inside right. the helmet. Um. But anyhow, he the, what's more critical, I think, is that he didn't have any brake fans. The Absolutely. real critical yeah. fans. that can. You al- know why? Because Phoenix is a short track and you <laughs> brake cooling. That could alter the, the balance of the car terribly. And, and just it, he's, he's racing with you know seven cylinders instead of eight at that particular point. It sounds awful. Yeah. It does. It just, you know, with the brakes, I was really surprised if he truly did race without any brake fans, how they didn't melt the bead on the and tire. And to finish where he did. And finish well. I mean, and people don't want to hear this, but it's, you know, while the winds are great, there are 
way more races than the wins where I would have I was impressed with the performance that Dale and I had right whether it was you know a third place at Sonoma or there were other races that were for whatever the reason my point being Alex even though he has a lot of starts he hasn't really been in the limelight as much for him to nurse a car that his his you know his team let him down right they had a part failure he didn't mean to but they let him down they didn't give him a a, a gun to bring to the gunfight right he was behind to do that and finish on the lead lap and not blow a tire hey I applaud him Give me your best Dell Jr. If the if the electrical system is down, and the brakes are out, and his cool system is out, <laughs> I would have turned my radio off at that point, <laughs> so I wouldn't have heard him. Listen, my best ever Dell Jr. is we go to Martinsville one time, and my man has hit everything there, <laughs> and that's like lap seventy. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it was like bzz, the light came on, and he and I quote. I don't know if I have enough fenders to run 500 laps. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to key the mic and be like, oh, first ever start here? No, you've started here 20 times. <laughs> like, 20 times you've been here. And you have a hit. And it started, like, off the curb, lap six, hooking, I want to say Joey Logano or Brad. And it was yeah. whew, it was bad. Hey, you won there. It, whatever happened, he came back and won there. Y'all got have, have a grandfather clock because of Dale Jr. and Steve Latart winning Martinsville. I'm telling you. You never thought it would happen that He'll day, laugh dude. when I say this, but if uh, Kevin Harvick had a rear bumper, we would have won there twice. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> we he passed put, us clean, I've, and you yeah. were all the way to the fuel cell, and he had nothing to hit. But. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was it that race? No, our first ever time there. We took the lead. We passed Kyle Busch in the closing laps, yep. and with like two or three to go, I pick on Kevin. He passes clean. We got in the corner too loose. Kevin went by us, but my man was determined. He went down into three, and we were like a foot under his rear bumper, but there was nothing to hit. It just kind of mushed yeah. in. And so he just and, yeah, just butchered the corner then yeah, at fun. that point. You'll have that. You'll have that. What is Steve Latar? You know, I always loved Steve Latar when you would just raise hell on the radio about something. There's only one crew chief in the world that would react the way Steve Latar would. I don't think there was anything he could get rattled. I don't think there was anything to get a rattle. No. He just, you know, 10-4, buddy. You just keep on wheeling that thing. I mean, it's like whatever it was. And I was like, wow, that, he is, uh, you could, you're not going to get a, you're not going to shake him. No. I can say that I I probably gave him a lot of opportunities to uh, get short with me or, or, or you know, s- grab me by the arm and say, listen there, you better straighten up. Uh, but I can't think of any time where, you know, he shot back at me as many times as I was just mouthing off in general than anybody. Most of the time I would direct my, my anger at TJ and sort of, and so he would. And rightly so. Sometimes he was like, you know, I kind of want to hear TJ. <laughs> Listen, only twice. Once we disagreed at Michigan because they changed the tire and we were out of laps and it was a not good weekend. And then we won. Who knew? And the other one was the first ever Richmond race trying to make the playoffs. We got in a wreck. Had nothing to do with us. Clint Boyer wrecked. We ran into him the whole nine yards. But then, like, I couldn't get through to him that our car is destroyed to stop hitting stuff. <laughs> and, and he got out, and this is when I wanted to strangle him. Everybody was happy, and he got out, and he looked at the front, looked at me. He was like, man, that thing was pretty messed up. Like, I hadn't told him. <laughs> like, it was a secret. But that's all right. Listen, hey, I'm the listen, same way. That that story about Michigan, uh, we're not going to tell it here because uh, there's going to be this book. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And Steve Letarte tells the story about Michigan and their very first fight, their very first argument. First and argument. only, really. Yeah, yeah, because you guys never argued. But the very now, first Now, you know when we fight now, what's going to happen? It's going to be on TV. I know, right? I can't <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's Y'all, y'all want to do some Did You See That? Did you see that? <laughs> All right. Did you see that? Dale Jr., you have one. I do. I have one. and it, you, you saw uh, something. I did see something. So, 
it's been revealed on social media, and I don't know if this was well known throughout, uh, you know, throughout the NASCAR fandom. But CMT is in the early stages of developing a TV show with all the wives and girlfriends. Of, well, not all of them, but a handful of wives and girlfriends of NASCAR drivers, and they're shoot. I think they've shot the pilot, and uh, it's not determined exactly who's going to be involved in the show, but we do know who's in the pilot. And being a fan, and I'll, I'm a fan of a lot of Bravo TV, and Amy watches it all the time, so I see some of the Housewives shows. If it's anything like that, mm. this is going to be awesome. If it's anything like what we know the capabilities are yeah. of the people that are in the pilot, it's going to be something. Now, you saw the uh, tweet from Adam Stern this morning. Right. Is that right? Yeah. And what did Adam say? Just what I he said that uh, just what you said. CMT's in the early stages of developing a reality show on the lives of NASCAR drivers' spouses, per the sources. The precise cast is not confirmed, but those involved in the pilot include Samantha Bush, mm. Ashley Bush, mm. Whitney Dillon, uh oh, um, Miss Fish, who is uh, Jordan Fish. Yep, she's with Did, Denny, Denny. <laughs> and Mariel Lane. Who? Yeah. Who? Oh, well, let's see who Mariel is. Oh, Mariel is one of the Monster Girls. Oh. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. That's right. All right. So she's uh, Whitney's and her are very good friends. Uh, so there's a ton of personality there. <laughs> yeah. And they all, I think they all interact and, and hang out together. It's it's really got a great opportunity to be pretty entertaining. You're saying you're, you can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Either. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what do you say about this? This isn't the sports business daily. I know. That's legit, right? Yes. I mean, this isn't gossip anymore. We've been talking about this thing for weeks. Amy had heard about it. Like yep. I, I heard about it from Amy. We were on a plane ride, probably back from coming back from Daytona. I think. Listen, I'm setting my DVR right now. Totally right. I can't wait. I mean, come yeah. on, NASCAR. Who's not going to watch that? I'm super excited about it, and can't wait for the pilot. I hope that they pick it up. I'm pretty sure they will. I'm pretty sure it'll get a season at least, and we'll see. We'll see if it's uh, you know, because it's on CMT. It's not on Bravo, but will CMT give it that housewife spin? Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, the blueprint's out there. Okay. The blueprint of success is yeah. out there. So are you even a little bit concerned that it might embarrass the sport? Absolutely not. No. no. Not in this day and age. In this environment, this will be this will work today, maybe where it wouldn't have 10, 20 years ago. It, it's, listen, so I'm going to pick on, let's pick one, Denny Hamlin. He's a professional athlete. There are things that professional athletes have that the rest of us won't. They're successful, right? He has a plane. He has a big house. He has this and he has that. What this show, this show I think will do is to show that he has kids and he has a life. And, and my point is this, to your point, Dale, this will open the door that these guys that drive race cars and their wives and girlfriends and their girlfriends' friends, this they're real life, right? They have yeah. drama like the rest of us. They have fun like the rest of us. They have, you know, in this traveling circus that NASCAR can become because it's the same group in every city. I think it, it's going to be a, a interesting kind of, sneak peek into the, what's like behind and outside of the race cars. Yeah. If anything, it'll show, uh, shed quite a l- little bit of light on the personalities of the drivers and their wives and girlfriends. And so I'm excited about it. That was one of the... Did oh, you, you see that? One. I got another one, man. Let's hear it. So there was a tweet by a guy I follow, NASCAR man, who said in 19... Now, just this is a little bit of a... This will blow your mind. In 1953, at age 12, Morgan Shepard bought his first car for $12.50, two flying squirrels, a gray squirrel, and a 20-gauge shotgun. <laughs> is that... What is... <laughs> I don't know how to value the flying squirrels versus the gray squirrel. Is really where I'm struggling right now. 
where do you get this information? I mean, it's had to come straight from Morgan, and, right? right? Think it's a bill of sale, maybe? You <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't know how to read it. I mean, I don't oh know. no, no, I didn't say that. I don't where, know. If it's what like, is a flying squirrel, and where do they? Where, how does one obtain joke. one? It's a joke. It ain't you a got, joke. It is a joke. No, it's not. That Morgan Shepherd didn't, didn't buy a car with the. Why? Who would know? make up? You were a, there. It, uh, come on, it was a joke. I don't know. I don't. I I'm, think it's true. I am with Dale on. Knowing Morgan Shepherd, I think this is a real possibility. You think that a tweet that said that Morgan Shepherd bought a car? NASCAR. This isn't NASCAR chasm. This is the. This he's is a, not the only one that's full of crap on Twitter. This guy. Fact, most of them are. All right. I think we should. Uh, you want you? You know what? You know, Here's what I learned today. I heard that NBC has this crack staff of people that research and build graphics and like Stevie. All you do is you just you just tell them what you want and they, they do it. Do this if they don't want to try to research this. Maybe NASCAR Reddit could figure it out for us. Reddit for sure can. <laughs> NASCAR Reddit, of course they will. What were we thinking? All right, let's do some Ask Junior. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. Ask Junior questions. Dale Junior, you ready? Yeah. Steve Latart, you, you chime in anytime you want. This is from Craig Jones. Harvick is 42 and dominating. Is he in the prime of his career? JJ is 42. MJG is 37 and won the title last year. I think he means MT- Michael Jordan. MJG. <laughs> MTJ, Martin Trucks Jr. Yeah, it's MJ. That's got to be a Dillner. Uh, that's a Dillner typo. Yeah, that's a Dillner typo. What do you consider really the prime of a driver? Well, I mean, I I don't know whether he's in the prime of his year, but I think he would say that he's in he's in great health. He's in a great position with an amazing team. Everything's just really lined up perfectly for this type of performance. And you know, some we've seen drivers in the past that actually are more you know as competitive or or. You know, having some of their better years on into the mid 40s and even into their 50s in this sport. There's those rare occurrences when that happens. And Kevin Harvick could be one of those guys that could be competitive in winning races on into his mid to late 40s. Why not? You know, there's guys that can uh, accomplish that. I did a lot of research when I was um, getting ready to step out of the car. And the trend generally for drivers is it starts to nose over right around the age of 43. As far as guys being successful, what they were able to accomplish, and what they accomplished beyond the age of 43. Uh, it, in a lot of cases, it sort of seemed to flatline or nose over a little bit at that age. But for Harvick, I don't see that being you know, a possibility for him. I think that if he wants to, it really he's going to have to decide. I think he'll still be competitive when he's really considering his retirement age. You know, he's and that's rare for drivers. A lot of times, uh, they don't, you know, a lot of times they probably stick around a little longer than they should or, you know, not aren't quite as competitive as they'd like to be in those last few years of their of their career. But I believe that he's still going to be winning races when he made a mental note that maybe this would be when I would retire. And he's gonna have to say, Man, maybe I should stick around some more, you know, if I'm still winning races. Well, I think he's put himself in the prime. Yeah. Because it's more than just the guy inside the car. You can never just measure the driver by himself. It's not that simple. And Kevin Harvick has positioned himself both business-wise and conditioning-wise and skill-wise to have the best opportunity. His championship year will always be the prime until he can back that up. Four races in, he's backing it up. But as we said earlier, there's a long way to go. There's some. There's something about Kevin that I don't. You know that is unique in his ability to do that to put himself in the right position and to know exactly what he needs and how to obtain it. He's tenacious 
outside the car and how he positions himself for success in everything he does. So I think that he can be competitive much later in his career than a lot of guys will have the potential to be because of that. So, you know, I don't know if he's in his prime. I think that he would say that he's, you know, he was as good years ago, just maybe not in the right opportunity. Right, right. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, I mean, nobody's going to be in better physical condition than Jimmy Johnson right now, but he's just, the, the, the team and the company's not running well. So does that mean Jimmy's not in his prime? I mean, that, that's... Nobody that, wants that, to that, have this conversation, but it's impossible to separate the driver and the car in 2018. That's my opinion. Tell me what you mean. Explain that. There's no way possible you can know if it's driver or car because they're combined. Because a, a well, because I agree with that. Because a vehicle that wins a not the guy in twentieth, but the race winning vehicle, the guy that the guy good enough to beat the other thirty nine. You cannot tell me which is more important because you have to have both. Where I, whatever yeah. whatever track wherever they are, it's impossible because yeah. you just cannot. You know you can't break those apart to run at the top level. Yeah. I think the, when I hear that question, though, the one thing that I think about is that, I, you know, 43 is sort of that, that age where they either continue that success or they don't. And I think he'll, he's one of the rare ones that could win races really as long as he wanted to win races because he, he knows how to put himself in the car yep. that he needs yep. to win. Everything. Yep. Yeah. He knows a lot of drivers know what kind of car they want, but they're, they don't know how to put themselves in that position. And he does. He knows exactly how to get himself yep. uh, where he has all the tools that he needs to go win races. That's a good question. Here's another good one. Regarding Matt Benedetto's Twitter video about sponsorship, by the way, this is from Deanna. What is the craziest way you have ever asked or acquired sponsorship? Would you be opposed to fans getting together to raise money for a driver through a GoFundMe or other campaigns? No, I think that that has been done before on maybe a different level. And um, it just would the fans would quickly learn that it takes it's going to take a lot more than they they're they're probably able to to donate or or provide and and or would the they, more than they'd be willing to provide cuz it's uh it was great what Harvick and uh, Denny and those guys did but that $5000 is such a small it's two sets of tires yeah it's so it's such a small piece compared you know to what they really you know spent mm-hmm. that well, weekend what was the total that he ended up with i mean a couple people i don't know but I, it was up. a you know he deserved it. I feel. I feel Matt goes out of his way um, on social media and things to entertain the fans. He's a, a, a good spokesman most of the time for the sport. I've yeah. yet to see him really say anything crazy. And I applaud uh, Denny, who said, "Hey, you know what? I did it because someone gave me a break one time. Yeah. I'm going to give it to him, uh, Kevin, the same way." Which we just said. Look, I'm I'm successful. So here, and uh, Daryl Walter, you know. So yeah. I applaud. But them that all. got yeah, and that was great. But that you know, I think that people would be surprised at how much money it takes for these guys to get the racetrack, and that fi- that money raised for him got him through the weekend right. but there's a there's how many races left this year and mm. 10 yeah. you know however many more years he wants to race that he's still f- gonna right. have to fight for yep and so i don't know if it's p- physically i don't know if it's possible for a gofundme to fund an entire race team gosh right no, not consistently for i mean like a one-off maybe right but no i don't know if that's so much. yeah i don't know if that's realistic no no all right uh billy dowdy who's your pick to win the ncaa basketball championship do you want to even reveal that right now? I mean, you guys are probably in some pools. Are you in pools? Latart, you were going around today trying to uh, get a pool going, weren't you? Or was it? I had the opportunity to enter some, but I'll That's be what it was. 100% honest. I've been, uh, I'm yet too lazy to fill a bracket out. So at this point, I'm in no pools. Okay. But do you have a pick? 
Do you want to, do you got anybody no. you're pulling for? No. He no. he probably knows. Really entertained. He probably knows who he's going to pick. He just doesn't want to tell anybody yeah. because it probably goes against his heart. Like I have picked, but I'm not telling because it's not a team that I'm a huge. It's not my team. Okay. But I'm going to win my. You know, I filled out my bracket this morning, and I'm in it to win. Who's pulled last year? Am I in this pool? Uh, you want to come in there? I mean, I might. All right. I don't know. It's ten dollars. Hold on, you got to pick for with your heart because if so, no, no, absolutely. no, no. You don't pick with your heart. That's what I did last year, and I lost. That's why I told Mike he could. This year, I'm picking. <laughs> you don't with, have to worry. I'm picking by the the strength. You put some work the, into the team. Yeah. I did a little. I read like one article. I don't know that I did a lot of work. <laughs> I, listen, I'll pay you ten dollars to tell you that Alabama's going all the way. Okay. <laughs> Mark Harwick, what drew you to the Laguna and Oldsmobile in your personal collection, and did you get the Grey Ghost car hung in your garage yet? I haven't got the Grey Ghost hung up yet. Uh, we're still building a frame for it, and uh, the uh, I like those cars and their connection to racing in the era, the late seventies. I uh, just love those style of cars. I love everything about NASCAR in that particular time frame from you know anywhere in the 70s but mainly 79 78 77 the laguna was a great race car they eventually wouldn't allow chevrolet to use it went to the monte carlo the laguna was really nice aerodynamically especially on the front end and the seven the oldsmobile cutlass uh 442 was just the car to have at daytona for a period of time you know, and I always I tell this story all the time, but like in 1980, eight out of the 10 cars in the top 10 starting positions for the 1980 Daytona 500 were 442s. I mean, you had to have one if you wanted to be competitive. Plus, it's a little Laguna. I mean, that just sounds cool. Laguna, that's a cool name. It is. Last question is going to be from Chad. Now that you have done handyman work and see how easy some of it can be. Easy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's easy. I know. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you were charged fairly when you paid someone to do work? for you before <laughs> never i mean i um i'm more angry i guess that i didn't do a lot of it myself you know looking back going man i could have done that myself and that's the thing so i would walk around my property listen, and look listen, at something listen. before you tell everyone that you can do more amy and people are going to listen to this it's do fine not walk yourself into a honey-do list it's from fine. a man who has worked on this list yeah I look at things at my house in the past and I would go, oh man, I would be angry. Oh darn, that's messed. You know, that's, I got to get that fixed, man. I ain't got, you know, I didn't have time racing this and that and other. And now I walk around and go, that, that, I know what I need. I'm, I can do that. I can patch that up and whatever. Cause I have learned as I'm doing this renovation project that I, you know, being mechanically inclined has helped me, mm -hmm. you know, get some of these jobs done and find out, you know, some shortcuts and learned a ton and just wish I'd have you know, tried to apply myself sooner. So this will be a quick story. I built my wife a garden box. Pretty big. I saw that. Four by six. Very I had good. cedar stained. It is great. When I put the picture on social media, the major outcry was, no, you didn't. Oh. Which that's... then, I, you know, my whole life I've tried to like downplay. Oh, you, they didn't believe you did <laughs> it. No way you built that. So my that's whole a life, badge of honor. Well, my whole life I was trying to downplay my abilities so I didn't get included in these honeydews. But at that moment, I realized I perhaps downplayed them too far. <laughs> that, that the common, you know, everyone was like, you can't do that. Because I, I want to be like, look, I mean, have the you, YouTube video and a screw gun. Like, don't don't get carried away. I didn't fly the space shuttle, yeah. but they didn't have think you, I could do it. Has, do you know the type of fruit and vegetables you're going to get out of this box? Oh, yes. Have you, se have you seen them work? So if you really want to know the truth. You my, know they my, don't grow pudding pops in the No, garden. no. This is, I'm telling you what happened. My wife said, I want a garden. So I first went to my local home improvement store and bought the little four-footers. And she did that for three years. And after three years of commitment, 
Then I built her the box that she wanted from the really? word go. But I had to see three years of, of there's kale and peppers. Yeah. My daughter's a vegetarian, so so she's big into the garden. How's your daughter? She's 12. Man, a vegetarian she's 12? Years. She's vegetarian? Yeah, we went through this. How do you think I broke a tooth? We, uh, we did Beer and barbecue would have right. never broke this tooth. <laughs> my <laughs> mom right. and sister, or my mom and Amy uh, built two boxes last year, and I could not believe what grows out of them boxes. Crazy. It don't look nothing like the store stuff. Tastes different, too, according it's to my like daughter. Stuff you see in pictures, you know? Better or worse? Better. Better. Yeah. Better. Like okay. the cauliflower head is like twice as yeah. big as what you see at the store. Everything's just better, more colorful, brighter. Less chemical. Tons We're big of kale and eaters, and the kale tastes better out of the garden box. Yeah. It's, I could not believe how good this stuff looked. Blown away. That's cool. They did do that. I remember your mom and yeah. Amy. So you're in the garden box building business now. You know it. You're in the uh, granite sink building business now that yeah, we've been man. able to follow that. So both That's of you are doing a pretty good job. first and last granite sink. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I don't know. For the right well, price. What I'm thinking about now is I need some spotlights in my garden box. So I'm going to have my man yeah. come over. Now, that's Exterior one. lighting. So I did all the exterior light last week. 30 lights, three transformers. That was fun. How much are you going to charge him? How much is he going to charge me? Yeah, that's what, how much are we going to charge you? I mean, if you're going to have him come over, it's not free, is it? I, we can work this out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he thinks his TV landmine stuff, like, they're, they're, you got to walk through this field. you got to pay attention where you're stepping. I'm going to help him out. We'll see. We'll see if we can work something out. I really enjoy doing the landscaping lights. See? Yeah. Probably a cold adult beverage and a little bit of... You can get pretty creative. You know. Yeah. See, that's all maybe some old race stories. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that right. Mar- maybe right. that Martin's will race where he hit everything so and have I enough put- fender to finish. <laughs> It'd be a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Man. think about it. I mean, you. I put a sail. I bought a sail off of eBay and attached it to this tree and attached it to the ground and have the sail in and around all the bushes and you know lit it, uplit it. Gosh. So I know we're not gonna put a sail in your yard, but you can start going ahead and getting creative and thinking about things we can do. You're an hour away from making TV gold. What are your closing thoughts for this podcast? And we'll wrap this up. Hopefully, um, Diller can do something with all this. <laughs> Especially since he hasn't been here to yeah. listen to all this. This is our for the first time. This is great. Yeah. This is uh, it's glad fun, I got to right? take part. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in this you know immaculate studio. We're kicked back here. It's never going to be this good again, just so no. you know. If we well, do it back at Junior Motorsports, we, we don't really have all this. <laughs> I'd love to actually have you come over to the Exalted studio and you could do this again, right? Yeah, yeah I'll come hang out. You will? I mean, like, you know, you used to be a regular on the Dale Junior Download. You, in fact, back when me and Taylor Zarzer did it, I'd call you up you were on you know almost weekly <laughs> wow know. yeah yeah oh, yeah 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 so cool. i'd get a text and it'd be like hey man you got some time we need a little help this week and this was every week, by the way. I mean, like, even the weeks that I didn't have Stevie on, I would call him. I'm like, listen, I don't know what to make of this. And he would just spell it out for me. I'm like, you know what? Probably just be better to have you on, and you can just do all this. And I won't take credit for it. <laughs> good. It's good. This is a good so, warm-up for the TV. Yeah. I hope you guys uh, go make some TV magic. Your ratings are going to go through the roof. I hope everybody watches NASCAR America this week and, and watches these guys yeah. do your thing and uh, appreciate it. And I really appreciate NBC for letting us uh, – Absolutely. Have the keys to the studio today. That was, the, the whole team has been awesome. And to be honest with you, we should also mention as we close this out that the Dale Jr. download, for most weeks, when you're not here on NASCAR America, you will be able to see you know at least seven, eight minutes of the Dale Jr. download on NASCAR America on NBC Sports yeah. Network. And so that's a lot of fun. That's new. It's and, very exciting to have, yeah. you know, see the clips on NASCAR America and look forward to that the rest of the year. And um, I'm excited about today, man. Trying, to, I know this is. Uh, you know. Are, are you nervous? I'm nervous. Yeah, of are course. Really? I mean, hey, I, hey, listen. Don't wear sweatpants day one. 
We're oh. going to start with the suits. We're going to work our way to the sweatpants. I would never. Not sweatpants. Well, you're going to wear a hoodie to the booth. Stevie, boot, if he's nervous, what, what advice do you give him right now? Just have a conversation. That's all y'all yeah, going to do, right? Yeah, we're just going to I think actually doing this podcast before has knocked a little of the yeah, well, yeah, good. best off. I don't know that the show is going to be any better, but. Oh, I think y'all are going to be good. I, I actually got to sit in the production meeting, and I heard yeah. what you guys are going to do, and I think that they've set you guys up to really do well. I, I think that they're putting y'all in a position to do what you That's do best. one thing I've learned about NBC is they set you up to succeed. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have That's all the things you need. Yeah. They know my limitations probably better than I know them, so they keep me within, <laughs> within the walls. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Good job, and uh, thank you, everybody listening. Subscribe, uh, download, listen, rate, review, all those things. Follow us on social media, and we'll talk to you later. Woo-hoo! I think we did. I think we did well.